Welcome, everybody, to Mormons on Mushrooms. Uh, just a reminder that this is a storytelling podcast where we discuss alternative methods for healing from trauma and seeking a more fulfilling life. A lot of times on the podcast, we discuss triggering topics, and we ask that you make your personal mental health top priority. Uh, lastly, the opinions offered by our guests don't necessarily reflect the opinions of the hosts. Sit back, buckle up, and enjoy. Okay, so we were just talking, uh, Mike. I, I'm going to ask you this question: Have we ever had? Um, I mean, I guess we've we've had we've had amazing guests, but like, does Brand- Brandon has the most information of any guest, probably, or or as much information? Well, more than I mean, this he just like we said in listening to his podcast, which I've been doing a lot this week, the Cannabis School podcast. They have so much information about weed. <laughs> it, unbelievable, right? Like yeah. I was, I, I felt like I got to, I was, I feel like I got to take notes. I mean, Cannabis School is the perfect name for their podcast. Cause I'm like, and you know, I love how you call them a, I, I what do you a say? Sommelier. Yes. Sommelier of yeah. cannabis because it's like, it really is that not just the tasting notes, but how it makes them feel. And I know each strain can make people feel their certain ways, but it's nice to, and that's why it's nice to hear from two people like, oh, uh, this one made me feel this way and this way. And they go through all these different strands. You know, they they just know a lot about cannabis. And well, and there's also something to trust there, too. Right. Like, it, you know, it, it's like I like even with a sommelier, for example, like I don't know. I don't know shit about wine. I just like drinking it. Right. Yeah, same. Uh-huh. I love wine. probably the same with cannabis. I don't know shit about cannabis. I just like and I just like consuming it. Yeah. But it's cool to have someone who knows what they're talking about. Yeah. I mean, with cannabis, I have a hard time sometimes like indica sativa. I don't know. Sometimes it's like, for me, sometimes weed is weed. And hey, I need to find you. We made that. up a song about it. What are you talking about, dude? We made up a song about it. Oh, we did. Uh, Saturday night. Saturday sati- night sativa kind of night. night. <laughs> when you were in the RV dancing that, you're like, it's a Saturday night sativa kind of night. <laughs> dude, that was a beauty, huh? Um, hey. So, yeah, we're joined by Brandon in this one, guys. Brandon from the Cannabis School podcast. Um, he's a co-host with his partner, uh, Jesse. Um, yep. And you should check him out. We'll put the links in the show yeah, notes. Definitely check him out. Like the, he's, he's, he's very knowledgeable is a good, is a good storyteller. Like his voice is butter. Like I was actually just yeah. like, like rarely when we're doing like a podcast recording, do I listen to a person's voice? But like, dude, his voice is like butter. And well, both his and Jesse's when I was listening to their like uh, yeah. their podcast, I was like, damn, you know, people say we have podcast voices, but sometimes I'm like, do we really? And you listen hear theirs and they're like, oh damn, their voices oh, are so dude, good. Those guys. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I was going to say like that morning radio type thing where you just like turn on the morning radio just to hear someone's voice. That's yeah, they, they, yeah. They got that and they got that like fully and, and really like good cadence too. And we're not here to talk about my man's voice. Like Brandon's voice is great. Jesse's voice is great. Content wise. I, I think Brandon is awesome. I, I do want to like the same way somebody would want to go to like Napa Valley, California on like, on like a wine tour. Yeah. I literally want to like explore cannabis with Brandon and Jesse. 
Let's do it, man. We'll right? Let's do it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Let's do it. Hey. Meanwhile, I don't think we have anything to plug. We're back. We're back after our break. Yeah, we're back. And you know what I think is a, a – let's do a teaser, actually. Instead of plugging something, let's do a teaser. So it's now official that, Mike, you and I both have gone through um, a, a, a weekend of Syrian Rue and Mimosa. And I think that I think that like stay tuned for our episode where we talk about our individual solo experiences and combine the two. Like stay oh, tuned for that, right? Okay, yeah. I think that's going to be in like two weeks. We have a we have a guest next week, and then yeah. Oh, well, yeah, we can be, still we be. can still we can still do like a, a a little teaser trailer of a stay tuned like. Yeah, we can. Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's going to be stay tuned because holy shit, man, that weekend. Damn. Yeah. Nuts. Right. Both of us went, both of us went nuts. I I am still, I am still, for those keeping score at home, I am still nicotine free. I'm now at like a month and a half of cold turkey, zero nicotine. Dude, congrats, man. Thank you. Well, thank you, Syrian Rue. Yeah. Well, and you know, it, the medicine didn't do it for you. It's a tool, you know? Oh no. So. Yeah. I, I certainly I'm, listen, I'm, cl- I'm climbing up the walls. So yeah, I know I'm doing it because yeah. I'm going <laughs> nuts, but uh, yeah, that'll be fun. What's next week's. Uh, we have Cole Whitty next week. We talk oh, about that'll be fun. That'll be cool. Yeah. yeah. We'll have her back on. She's She actually doing a, and we'll plug it in next week's episode, but she's doing a uh, integration type thing in Utah around the time of Mormon Palooza in the beginning of April. So Oh, hell yeah, dude. Yeah. All right. Well, well everyone, enjoy uh, enjoy Brandon from the Cannabis School. And it's a Saturday night, Sativa, Sativa kind of night. night. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we were both, we were both, to answer your question, we were both born in the Holy of Holies. Nice. <laughs> in the covenant. Uh, many generations in, or are you guys like your parents converts? Uh, I We're both like pioneer stock, uh, plains, high plains drifter Mormon type. Yeah. yeah. I'm fifth generation. Uh, yeah. was, I guess I'm no longer, I've left it at this point, but, um, like 90% of my family is still in that line. So yeah, it's. So does your family know that you have a podcast about like different strains of cannabis? Oh yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, that's actually the best part. My family knew from the start about my podcast because at that point I had had, I don't know, probably 50 to a hundred conversations at least just with my family members alone about cannabis, about like the interactions of it, the benefits. Um, I'm a medicinal cannabis user myself and have been for close to a decade now. Um, I have a cracked disc from a motorcycle accident um, about a decade ago. And so since then, yeah, it's, it's not bad enough to operate, they say. So it's just bad enough that I have chronic pain. So like right now where it's been snowing and it's been cold, I've been using an ice pack on my back two, three times a day to just kind of like quell that inflammation because even using cannabis, it still really hurts. I just have a really bad back. So um, I have actually got my grandma to use medicinal cannabis. Um, 
yeah, and my father. And um, that was the bigger feat for me was my dad than my grandma. Um, my grandma, she's 87 right now. And she had chronic migraines. She'd got on fentanyl. She was up to fentanyl for her medications, yeah, which creates dependency in less than seven days for it. So with that, my father had talked to his new wife who had prescribed medical cards before um, down in Arizona. But like many medical providers, she knew absolutely nothing about cannabis and was actually misinforming people on many things with it. So, yeah, I started, my dad was like, well, will you, will you make your grandma edibles? Um, would you give her cannabis? And I'm like, no, no, I won't. But I'll answer every question she has under the sun and I will educate her on what cannabis actually is and how it interacts with her body. And then after that, if she wants me to make edibles, then I will make her edibles and properly dose her so that she's not getting high or like crazy experiences, but that she can actually manage her headaches, her pain um, in a normal, manageable, natural way that doesn't create a horrible dependency. So I had about a three-hour conversation with my grandma, and I started making her chocolates after that. And it took her about a year and a half that she was taking edibles every day before her migraine stopped, and she hasn't had a migraine since, and it's probably been three years. She doesn't use cannabis now because very much the stigma of, like, I don't need a medicine. Like, I'm not going to take a medicine if I don't feel I need it. Yeah. But she's not opposed to it. Um, And so through that, my dad had, we'd had way too many discussions over the years. He would always like butt heads with me on, oh, it's it's a gateway drug. It's this, it's this. And I'm like, all right, let me pull out some education, some science, and we're going to teach you about this plant. And so it's just been years now of educating people. And that's actually where this podcast came from was um, a psilocybin trip that (laughs) I was out with a buddy and I had this perfect peace that I'd never experienced. Um, I've meditated, I've done things like that, but this moment was, I had meditated and everything disappeared. It was like I was in another dimension, but I was still there, like a multiverse kind of thing. Yeah. And were you, were you on anything when you were meditating that time? or were you just, just so it was psilocybin. Oh, on um, psilocybin. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And everything disappeared around me. I was in pure white with like rainbow colored fractal patterns all around. Mm-hmm. I could still hear the other people like they were in another dimension or another room, but nothing existed there but me. And it was this incredible piece. And through that, like, I came out of it and I called my best friend, my co-host, and I was like, hey, Jesse. It was like two o'clock in the morning. (laughs) He picks it up and he's like, hey, you okay? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm great. Obviously, I'm in the middle of a trip. (laughs) And I'm like, I just, we're going to create a podcast and we're going to change the world. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. All right, whatever. Love you, man. Um, So... We start talking about it and planning it out, and it was two years in the making before we even sat down to record anything. Um, but yeah, the the whole idea of the podcast came from that, and it was just a realization of I already was having 
conversations with almost every person I knew about cannabis and just explaining it to them because when I started researching uh, the actual plant after my buddy reintroduced it into my life, it was like a sudden realization of I knew absolutely nothing about this plant. Well, and, that's so, yeah. that's so, I, I gotta like, I gotta like derail us for a second and just pause because Brandon, the, the podcast you're talking about is the cannabis school. I, I've recently been introduced to it. And for for you to say like, oh, okay, well, I, I realized I knew nothing about this plant. That's hard for someone who's been listening to your podcast to even to even comprehend because you are like this, like sommelier. I, I, what, what, what word would you like? You're like this expert that like I can get down with saying uh, indica and sativa. That's like as close as I can get to like <laughs> what we're talking about here. And so what? Where like where did you even start? But they're like, oh, well, this this strand has like, uh, you know, notes of cherry and rubber hose. And- Seriously, <laughs> yeah, right? that, that's what they do talk about. Like, they're, yeah, every yeah. Sorry. Well, and it's it's the whole experience. It's realizing. Well, it's kind of like if you've gotten into drinking, and how long does it take you to be able to taste notes in a good whiskey, or a scotch, or even enjoy beer or red wine? That took me so long, from leaving. Like I grew up, LDS. Um, started leaving, trying to sneak out of church when I was 12 with my brother. We'd try and go back home, but my parents were very strict, really religious. And so they started escorting us to class after sacrament to make sure that we would go to class. And they would stand outside of the door till our teacher got there to make sure that we were in class. So as our parents would leave and stand outside the door, we started hopping out the window and running home. And yeah, started sneaking out as soon as we could. And then we'd go home during um, Sunday school because neither of our parents had Sunday school with us. And then we'd come back for priesthood because our dad would see us. So it'd be like, all right, we'd get out and come back. And then when I got a job at 16, I started asking to work Sundays because I didn't want to go to church, but my parents always made us go. It was just something that you did because, well, everyone did it. It's what you believed. And I never questioned it. I didn't question if I believed it or if it was true. And it wasn't until like I had been drinking. I had basically stopped going to church and I had a cousin from Missouri that came out to visit and asked me to go to church with him. And I was like, I don't, I don't go to my own church. Why would I go to yours? <laughs> and he's like, well, we have coffee and there's a live band. And I was like, I like coffee and a live band sounds really weird, but like, okay, I'll check it out. Why not? And we're super close. So I went with them and they introduced, it was a non-denominational Christian church. And they introduced this version of Jesus that I was super unfamiliar with. Because it's a very different Jesus than what I grew up with. And I went from that and I started thinking, what do I believe? What, What do I know? And so, of course, growing up in LDS culture, it was don't read anything that's anti-Mormon literature. Don't read anything that's against it. And I'm like, that makes sense because there's always going to be a negative 
of anything. There's always going to be someone who had a terrible experience at the best restaurant and they have a really shitty review on there. That doesn't mean the whole thing is shitty. So instead of reading that, I looked at books or things that were written by Mormons, by people who were in the gospel, who believed it, and I started reading original Mormon literature. And there was a book that was written by a guy, it's called Insider's View of Mormon Origins. I don't know if you've read it, but it's written by a guy who was a a seminary teacher for 30 plus years. And he was so well respected within the LDS culture that when this book is released, it was sold in Siegel Books for months before they realized what was in it. Is that, then they, that Grant Palmer? Yes. Yes, okay. it was. Yeah, Grant Palmer, yeah. Yeah. And they removed it from that because it was what was in it was so damning to the church. And I read that book and it made me realize that every single thing that I grew up thinking that I knew or that like I had based all of my life decisions around felt like I'd been lied to. Hmm. And I'm sure you guys can relate in some way. Maybe you went on a mission. I didn't um, because obviously I was trying to avoid and skip church as young as possible. Yeah. Um, is Siegel Books still around, by the way? Is that still yeah. even it? Siegel Books is still going? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yeah. one like less than a mile from my house. So. And what, uh, sorry, I I really am bad at like chronologically following like stories. But this is I would just, way before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just love to talk about Seagull Books for a second, <laughs> if that's okay. Yeah. What's the difference between Seagull Books and Deseret Books? For those of us who aren't from Utah, we, we might not know the difference. Uh, probably ownership, and I think Seagull Book has more religious-focused text, where I think Deseret Book has a lot more um, wide variety of books. Mike, but Deseret Book is also more like church-owned, right? Is that correct? I don't know if it's church entity, but I would believe that maybe someone within that faith hmm. owns it. I actually do think Deseret Book is owned by the. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. The I'm different. not sure. Yeah. Um, I think there's a Deseret Book. Is that the one that's on? I think that's the one on Center Street in Provo. And if so, they just have a lot more books that. I wouldn't see it at a regular Siegel book because I think the Siegel book is more like religious focused, religious stories, religious text, anything Mm. in that fashion. Whereas at Deseret book, I've seen like Da Vinci code, a lot of other old historical texts, just a wide variety that I don't think they include. Whereas I think Siegel book is more specifically focused on like there's a ton of pictures of Jesus and temples and stuff like that in there. I think it is specifically designed as only Mormon literature. Yeah. But I, I could be wrong. It's been ages since I've walked into one. So they pulled the Grant Palmer book. I'm just, it's funny. I'm just thinking about like if, 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 if church entities started pulling um, like books written by faithful members of the church because they were leading people astray, I, I think the, I think the bookshelves would be a little bit like bare. Right. Other than like tennis shoes among the defites and the literal, oh, like the book I of Mormon. reading all of those. <laughs> right. Yeah. Those were crazy. That's funny. Yeah. The work mom, and the glory. That kind oh, of shit. Yeah. yeah we had hey, so many of those. Never mind. I can't, I can't share that. But I was going to share something about the work and the glory, but I don't want to. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, I recently was turned on to. So there's a guy here in Utah who created a podcast or a little 
thing. It's called the Golden Bible. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's on no. Spotify. Oh, I have I have heard of that. Like, where, is that the one where he's read, he's he's just reading the Book of Mormon? No, providing well, this commentary. One's a little bit different. This one oh, okay. is. Um, it's a story based on. So the guy who collected this or wrote this story went back east to Palmyra and everywhere where Joseph Smith grew up. Oh, okay. And then what he did is instead of talking to all the Mormon families and that, he went to all the families that were there when it was started that aren't Mormon. And he talked to them to get all the stories, the court documents, everything from that time. And this story goes into Joseph Smith and use of psychedelic medications in order to get the experiences that were made. There's a book I have called, oh, dang it, uh, Psychedelic History, Psychedelic Mormon History or something. I'll send to you guys the, it's in my other room. Is that the uh, Robert Beckstead book? I don't know. It's like white and black and has mushrooms and stuff on the front. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, but very interesting. And when I heard that golden Bible and I started reading that so much of the, like it made so much more sense after my experiences with LSD, psilocybin and cannabis. And like, I'm no longer what I would call a religious person. Um, I think there's too much dogma and human nature that gets brought into it. Um, but I have found a closer connection to energy, general consciousness, whatever it is, something greater that's out there. Sometimes I refer to it as God just because it's the easiest way to explain it mm -hmm. in the shortest term. But if someone sits down, like that idea of a, a perfect father who is out there, who is judging or not judging, seems kind of ludicrous to me. But I'm only a dad. I only have two kids, and I only have my understanding as a massively imperfect father. And yet this preaching of this perfect father is such a worse dad than I am. And <laughs> I am like still trying my best all the time to try and be better. But I know that I am far from perfect. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, this story that we're told is the greatest fantasy story ever. But it's so hard. Like, how many times has the story of Jesus been retold? Even before he was born. Oh, yeah. Hundreds yeah. and hundreds of times with different God's names, born to different virgins, all performing the same miracles, died for three days and was resurrected. Like all of this stuff was pre-told many times before this concept or idea of Jesus ever came around. Hmm. Well, I'm uh, taking a course right now in school talking about mythology and talking about how myths are bas basically the personifications of our psyche and even religious myths. And so when you're, you know, we're talking about the myth of Christ or, or uh, similar figures, Christ-like figures in mythology, you know, we're really talking about those parts of us, you know, that represent, that are personified in a certain form in, in a myth, uh, mythological tale to teach us something about our own nature and our own psyches. And I like how you talk about God being a shitty father. I mean, he is, it's a type of father who is unconscious of his own darkness of his own shadow that um and 
you know, as I, I just like the fact that, you know, as shitty of a, of a father as I think I am sometimes, I'm still better than Heavenly Father. <laughs> Which is a terrible thing to think about that all those people who grew up or didn't grow up get pulled into that narrative. Mm-hmm. And yet when you truly step back and look outside of it, there's so many flaws and faults in that story. And I look at it and I'm like, I know that they bring some value. There's some good things that are in there. And I struggle, like I try not to have any hatred towards it because it doesn't, it doesn't hold anything good in me mm-hmm. to hold on to that. And that's truly who it hurts the most is me hanging on to that. So definitely plant medicine, psilocybin, you know, cannabis has helped process and release a lot of that. But I think um, listening to some of your other episodes in that where you guys talk about like little Mike and, you know, all the things from him and going back to meditate and see these moments and like talk to yourself in a way or showing up in a way that that kid really needs. And like, it's just weird to see like people we love sometimes stuck in that because part of me wants to save them, but part of me is like everyone has, I have a buddy and we talk about it all the time. It's like there's as many religions on this earth as there are people because even though there might be a religion, everyone follows it differently. Everyone has their own beliefs, their own dogma, their own things that they do, even if they, are the same label that they're giving themselves. And really, it's more of like the Church of Brandon, the Church of Mike, the Church of Doug. And it's your philosophies, your ideas, your beliefs. Like, what is your relationship with yourself and how does that grow? Because Gosh. it's a much deeper connection than it is. Well, they talk about it all the time. Mormonism teaches you to be, a, or the underlying thing is to be a good person but we're all so hypercritical and unloving of ourselves. We don't love ourselves at all. The idea of love yourself and love your neighbor as yourself is a beautiful idea because if you truly loved yourself, like you wouldn't critique yourself the same way that you do. Like we look at ourselves and we're our harshest critics. I had this on a, a trip that I was doing and I was doing mirror work. Um, you know, and people are like, oh, don't don't look in a mirror when you're on mushrooms. And I'm like, oh, I love looking in a mirror. Yeah, I, we, I we encourage it. mirror gazing when on psychedelics. And I talked to myself. And in yeah. that moment, I realized I didn't love myself. And that was a really hard realization to come to of looking at myself and going, I don't love you. Not in the way that I love my kids, my friends, my family. Like, I look at me and I'm like, why aren't you better? Why aren't you doing this? Like what? And yet I look at someone else. I'm like, that's okay. They're struggling. Like they're going through this or like, I'm so much easier to accept someone else's faults than my own. But yeah, it was deep. But that trip was like one of the biggest realizations of like, I didn't love myself. I wasn't giving myself the same love that I was giving to everyone else. But at that moment, if I wasn't loving myself really, even the love I was giving to them was only the capacity that I could understand at the moment. But that yeah. wasn't even real love. Brandon, it's, I, it's, I'll go ahead, Doug. 
No, please, Mike. I, well, I was I just talking about, I had this experience last weekend. So last weekend I actually sat in a, 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 it's a type of DMT type ceremony, but it's called Syrian Rue Mimosa. Um, and it's basically ayahuasca from Egypt. Oh, cool. That yeah, it was awesome. a really intense ceremony. Um, but I went through this process. So I, it got really dark for me at one point, uh, really dark to where life just felt kind of meaningless, which I think is even worse sometimes than hopelessness. It was just like this, what, what's the point of, of it all? And when I was in that space, I was, I was mistrusting everyone in the circle around me. I was like, they're all in it for something else. And and, you know, someone else in, in the space was having a really hard time, I guess, even harder than me. And so she had to go to a different location. And so the facilitator was saying, um, let's all send love to this person. And so we were all kind of saying we loved this person and saying uh, lovely things about uh, her. And I couldn't be in that space because I was like, do they even mean it? Are they just bullshitting? And, um, I went out and a, and a good friend of mine came out and, you know, should check on me. And I was doing some weird thing on the floor. I don't know what I was doing. I was like some weird position. I was just in it, you know? Yep. <laughs> and she's like, Mike, what are you doing? And I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and she said, uh, are you doing okay? I'm like, yeah, I think I'm doing okay. And she's just, and then she started expressing love to me. I immediately wanted to express love back to her, but, um, but then I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to lay down and receive it. I have a hard time just receiving it. And she was saying all these things about me and I, I couldn't feel it. I didn't believe her. Mm. And then, and then that, then I kind of had this realization where I go, <laughs> and I said her name, I'm like, you know, I love you. Right. And it was just a realization. Of, I felt the love that I had to her and I knew that was real. And so it was this feeling of like, that helped snap me back out of the darkness because it's like, all right, I know when I think of someone else, I genuinely love them. And that's a real thing. So why can't I feel that back? But I'm not giving it to myself. And so if I'm not giving that to myself, it doesn't matter how many people around me are expressing their love to me. I'm not going to feel it. There's going to be a barrier there. Yeah. And so I it's love what we're talking like about right now. Feeling like you're unworthy or undeserving of love. So we don't allow ourselves to accept it the same. You know, we don't feel that love because we're like, well, they're giving it, but they're saying these things that I don't feel I'm deserving of. Or like, it doesn't match. that. That's not me. Yeah. Because we're always told or we listen to this narrative in our heads or you know, how we're growing up being, you're imperfect, you're not doing something right, you know, you're you're always short of God's grace. There's something that you can never achieve because you, as a person, are never good enough. You will not and cannot be good enough. Versus looking at it and going, you're whole. You are complete as you are. Yes, you might have flaws and struggles like all of us do, no human is perfect. And I think that's the understanding or the realization of that Jesus story is no human is perfect. You know, he who is without sin cast the first stone. But yet we are, and that was one of the most frustrating things being in the LDS culture is everyone within is so judgmental. So looking at you as you, they're not at church. Oh, shoot. Yeah. You know, did you, they smell like cigarette smoke. 
did you hear they got in a fight with their wife? Did you like all of this stuff? And you're like, you mean they're, they're doing the exact same things you are? Like they're the exact same people you are. You're just looking at it through a different filter and going, their sin is different flavor than mine. So they're a terrible person. Yeah. I, be like one of the early, early sort of like items that was put on my internal, my mental shelf uh, for me to leave the church. Cause I, you know, a little bit different than your story, Brandon, like what I'm even now, when I'm hearing your story of like sneaking out the window of Sunday school, I'm still getting a little bit of anxiety because like I did not miss church. Uh, like on vacation, we're finding church and we're going oh, we to church. Too. Yeah. We were in and Italy, I'm, we were in China, we were in France, and everywhere we oh. went, we were at church because it was, like, we did family home evening into my, like, I was 16, probably 17. We were doing family home evening. We read scriptures every morning at breakfast Dang. after we finished breakfast because we woke up at the same time. I remember my dad got in this big fight with my brother, and my mom stepped in between them. And he's my oldest brother and my older brother. Um, and my dad left the house, went to a hotel for the night. He came back at the butt crack of dawn, got us all up and sat down around him in a circle while he pulled out the scriptures and read from it showing that the children are supposed to obey the father and the mother oh, is supposed shit. to obey the father. And basically God saying that you should obey and do this stuff. And like, my fa my family's very religious. Like it was very much ingrained in like, this is who you are. This is what we do. So yeah, we snuck out of class, but it was like everything still was very much so like every day, everything. I got kicked out of my high school for not going to class and I got put in an LDS-based private school. So the rest of my high school, I was in an LDS-based private school. And... Whoa. I tell my parents that the reason why I'm no longer Mormon is from my history teacher, from that LDS-based private school, oh, whoa. because he got me to start thinking, hmm. thinking differently than I had ever thought. Because when I was there, he was talking about, we did tons of religious history. Like, that was a lot of my history classes, like all of the Reformation, all of like the... Constantine, all of the reformists, everything like that, we studied. So I know all about like paganism, the introduction of um, Constantine and all of that stuff into like Catholicism and um, back through the reformists into like the, uh, wow, the foundation of the U.S. and everything like that because they would always try and tie it back to religious stuff. But oh, one yeah. thing he always would say was prove me right or prove me wrong, but prove me either way. Don't just listen to what I say because I'm telling you that it's true. So at that moment, I started doing my own research. And so when I finally left the Mormon church and I started doing my own research, it was, what do I believe? So as I started reading more and more, I've become just a research whore over the years because I found that truth is relative. Everyone's got their own version of truth no one no one knows what happens when we die. Yes, we can take dimethyltryptoline and experience this, you know, other dimension that everyone goes to. And yes, when you die, 
you have that same dimethyltryptyline experience because our body stores that over a lifetime. But can we say 100% that's the one and same experience? Because I don't know about you guys, but I don't know that I've died and come back, that I can remember everything. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean... And I don't know anyone who has. There's, yeah, there's a there's a lot there. I'm going to just pick a lane here and <laughs> kind of go down it, you know. Um, so, Brandon, I, I kind of want to go way back to a thing that you said that's, that's always been heavily on my mind. You know, when you were talking about being a better father than God, um, that's a uniquely uh, dogmatic, religious way to think. It's the same thing that brought me out of the Mormon church was having a having my first child, having my daughters, because I was like, oh, shit, I'm a better dad already because of the way I love her. And that, and, and it's been really making me think for the last uh, little while about the difference between like, you know, we, 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 we have this idea of like folklore and mythology. Mike, you mentioned some mythology kind of stuff. But then there's that thing of religion where it, it, there, there has to be that literalism thing to it, right? Mike, where it's like, it's one thing for us to be like, oh shit, uh, Zeus was a bad father. Well, yeah, fuck yeah, Zeus is a bad father. He's going around tricking people into having sex with him. He's turning into a cow and like tricking, like Zeus is like bad behavior. Odin, same thing. Ra, like you think about, like nobody gets like all butthurt when Ra accidentally uh, like releases Sekhmet to destroy all of, all of yeah. humanity. Right. It's just like, oh, that fucking raw. What a, what a dip, what a dipshit. <laughs> because, because raw is a reflection of the human condition. Zeus is a reflection of the human condition. Odin is a reflection of the human condition. Right. Like if, 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 if for me, if Jesus was more of a Bacchus character where he's like the God of wine and like, like, yeah, for sure. He turned water into wine. Cause he's a fucking drunk. He wanted to get his homies like fucked up. Like that is the, a reflection of the human condition. He hung out with prostitutes, like politicians. His, if you go biblically and look back at the oil he carried oh, yeah. around, it was cannabis oil. Like there's stuff that they can go back and trace and they're like, it was cannabis in his oil. Like, like Jesus sounds like a so, cool homie to hang out with, right? Like Joseph Smith, like if we looked at like American gods, like American myths, like if we looked at Joseph Smith the same way we look at Paul Bunyan, like, like, okay, Paul Bunyan didn't really ride around on a big blue ox and they didn't have like a huge, like, like frying pan that lumberjacks would skate around with butter on their feet to like get ready for some big old pancakes for Paul Bunyan. Like we all as a, as a, as a society know that we learn lessons from these motherfuckers. Like we learn lessons from Ra. We learn lessons from Paul Bunyan. We learn lessons from Odin. But there, but 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 the whole thing switches when it becomes this thing of like, oh, we have to emulate these real human perfect God characters, and it, it does the, the circle doesn't square in that situation. It's just like you were saying, Brandon. It's like, oh well, uh, you're talking about the same God that like told Abraham to kill his son and and decided to flood the earth of all the and, and destroy all the yeah. humans and yeah. and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and is like a kind of like into gore, like like torture porn with his own son and all that kind of stuff. It's like, right. yeah, it's easy for that to fall apart when we're talking about literalism. When we talk about it within myth, it's like, oh, that Osiris, what a dipshit. Yep. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, 
doing Osiris shit yeah, again. Just doing Osiris <laughs> there he <things>. goes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Doug, you're blowing my mind a little bit here because I'm thinking about we're we're talking about the expectations that we felt from God the Father from the Mormon religion. Those uh, expectations that you were never good enough. That no matter, there was always a gap. Were those expectations there almost because we've put impossible expectations on our God figure in Mormonism? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, it's this idea of like you have free agency and free choice, but yet you can pray to God to change your circumstances. So is this God like giving you free agency or is he toying around and making changes in your story as you go? God, well said. Which is it? Is it your story or is it his? And it's like, so if it's his story, it's already predetermined and you already, like, it's already written out. So if that's the case, nothing you're doing is any different than what God already knows you're doing. So either that or you have 100% agency and everything you are doing is your choice. It's not Satan. It's not God. It's you. It's your decision. Gosh, man. But that's a hard, like, that's a lot of responsibility, I think, for people to accept. You, this, I'm, I'm, I love this. I love this part of, of the conference. Like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're dead on because it's like uh, all of the other versions of God that we sort of like look at other people's interpretation of God. Like you said, Brandon, there's 8 billion people on the earth, 8 billion interpretations of God. And it's really easy for me to look at anybody else's interpretation and be like, <laughs> they just don't quite get it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it's like, no, yeah. none of us get it. There is nothing to get. Like, there's no, like, there's no God. Like, all of the other stories of God, God's fucking around. Like, he's fooling, he's like, he's like gambling with the moon and trying to, like, extend the, the days of the earth. That's just what, who did that in Egypt? Like, uh, Thoth? Is that how you say his name? Thoth? Oh, Thoth? Th- I don't know. Thoth, yeah, Thoth. I don't know how to say his name. Sorry, my Egyptian homies. Like, Thoth's <laughs> running around. There's only 360 days in the year. So he's like, well, shit, I bet I could steal some of the moon's moonlight if I tricked her and I could add five days. And that's how like a bunch of other Egyptian gods were born is because like they, you know, they had those extra five days for them to be born or something like that. Like, like the whole religion thing, I, I, I don't normally get this animated about this, but the whole religion thing is so fucking funny because it's like everyone else's religion is so silly and stupid except for mine and my religion is not silly and stupid. It's super serious and super sacred. And you all got to take care to like honor it. And it's like, no, fuck you. You're dumb. (laughs) It's like, we're all stupid. We're all dumb. Anyway. But they're like all based on the same They're all based on nonsense. And you're like, there's like a million different similarities between your stories and theirs, but you're claiming your stories are true and theirs are not. Right. Cause ours has like the one about you have proof. (laughs) <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't get me started on that. <laughs> Thanks for letting me tirade for a second there, guys. That really like was that really felt good to me. I'm sure you guys do it all the time. It's pretty fantastic. Our podcast is very like we come in, it's kind of structured. We have an idea of like where it's going in a very specific timeline of like, all right, we're sticking to this. So I love this. Like you guys do free oh, yeah. form, it's all wherever you feel like it goes. But you have some amazing conversations that come through it, and some really impactful insights. Huh, thank you. Yeah, we love the we love the concept of just of storytelling. Like, like we like the idea of 
the three of us are sitting around a campfire swapping stories, and we want to just drop our listeners in and allow them to just join into the conversation, you know? So I'm guessing you both got married in the temple? Or oh, yeah, temple? dude. We got married. We were both 22 years old when we got married to our barely over 19-year-old wives. So, yeah, same, same with you? I was 22, had my daughter. My So I got pregnant with my, like, girlfriend. We got married um, because we had been dating for two and a half years. And our daughter was born, and then, like— I went through the temple after my second daughter was born. And that was because we weren't really going to church much, but my youngest brother, as I have four siblings, um, and my youngest brother was the only one to go on a mission except for my dad. Um, and in a family of really religious people, they expect all of their four boys are going to be on yeah. a mission. And with the last name Elder, you know, you sure hope that you're going to have a whole bunch of elder elders. So they were kind of disappointed he was the only one that went, but when he went right before all my other siblings were sealed in the temple, my parents were sealed in the temple. He had just gotten his endowments and that. And he's like, I challenge you guys to get married or sealed in the temple while I'm gone. So me and my ex-wife started going to church, like started going to classes, doing that. We went through the temple. I went through the temple every month for like a year because my family would do they're super religious. So every month they would plan a, let's go do temple ordinances. Wow. And we'd go to dinner after, but we'd all get together as a family. We'd go do stuff Whoa. at the temple. And then we'd go to dinner after. And it was just every single month. Where would you go to dinner? So uh, Thai places, Mexican places, oh. just... Oh, I don't know, man, like we were after, hoping you'd say Olive Garden. <laughs> yeah, Olive Garden. Honestly, after Italy... I cannot stand Olive Garden, and it's like my oldest daughter's favorite place. <laughs> and I'm like, it's the worst food. It doesn't taste anything like Italian. It's like not even good Americanized Italian. It's just, it's there. So, yeah, the, when we we moved out of California ten years ago, and we were so disappointed because the Olive Garden isn't anywhere close to us. We have to drive all the way around down to Glendale to go to the Olive Garden. We went there once, and I haven't been in an Olive Garden since that day. We found that like, oh, there's every corner in California, there's a, some restaurant that's amazing. And I could go to a new one every weekend and still never hit all of the LA restaurants. That are yeah, good. dude, you so, want authentic Italian food. Oh, yeah. There's like 400 within a, like a spitting distance yeah. of your house in LA, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's got to be amazing, I'm sure. Yeah, we have like, I don't know, we do like Los Hermanos and a bunch of random Thai ones, mm. um, brick oven. Well, pardon me. Brick oven oh, classic is the one that we'd go to. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, I didn't want to derail your story. But yeah, I was, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, how we, long did the, so you got ready, you, like you went to the temple and then like, mm -hmm. we're going so regularly. How long did that last? Like the temple had to trip you out, right? About a year. It was weird. Um, a very weird experience going through it. And it was like, so my, my co-host, he is still Mormon. Um, his wife is Mormon. And oh, wow. so, yeah, yeah, they went to the temple. They got sealed. I don't know, handful of years after they were married, but they haven't gone back because it was weird and creepy and culty even to them. So, 
But back then it was they'd touch you under your garments and touch like the women on their privates and stuff and like just weird things in there. And you're like, this is what? Like it's not a normal thing when you think about it outside. You're like, this is really odd. And then when you start studying and researching and you realize a lot of the Mormon temple rituals are all just based on Masonic temple rituals. You're like, so they're not even originated or specific to this. So am I getting into Mason heaven? Am I getting into Mormon heaven? Like, who is meeting me on the other side? Is it my wife? Like, shit, are they going to be over there? I don't know. You'll what find family am I going to be together forever with? My wife's family or my family? <laughs> yeah, right. Because <laughs> I don't know if I want to And is my grandpa going to be there because I don't like him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But for me, it was it was really weird. Um even when I went through the temple, like right before, they asked me to bear my testimony. I got up in sacrament and I stood up there and I said, you know, I don't know if this church is true. Oh, I like that. But I believe that it is. And I hope that it is. And if it is, these are the people I want to spend the rest of my life with. Like, Because I had two daughters and I was married then. I still love my daughters more than anything. And they're one of the biggest reasons why I'm so, like... I'm constantly looking at like what I'm doing, how I'm showing up, how can I show up better? I've got a 13 year old. Like it's, it's a whole nother journey at that stage. Oh yeah. So do you, uh, speaking of, of, of kids, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confused when you just said, uh, your co- is your host Jess? Is that his name? Jesse. Jesse. Okay. Mm-hmm. That kind of blew my mind when you said he's still, so we have discussions all the time. He's used psilocybin. He uses cannabis medicinally every single day. He is ex-military. He says fuck shit all the time. Like he cusses. Yeah, he makes me laugh, by he's, the way. I, tell him. Yeah, yeah. He makes me laugh. <laughs> I'll let him know. Like he's got ink on him. Like he's not what you would expect. And he's the same person inside the religion at church that he is hmm. outside. That's one thing I do love about him is he's always, like he's just Jesse. He is the same person. And at least when he shows up, you know, he tells even people at church, he's like, you want to be more like Jesus? Smoke this. <laughs> like, because you can really look at it. And he tells people like all the time, like, just love each other. Hmm. Like, because it's a different story. And for him, he's like, you know, it's a good bonfire. I don't necessarily subscribe to everything in their narrative but you know my wife does her family does like it's been a good bonfire and until i see that it's not for my family then i'm gonna stay there and i'm like you know everyone's got their own religions their own things and it's not my place to to say any different you know you know i was gonna say i love that because you know when i lost my faith in mormonism I still went for about a year and a half, like uh, serving in the elders quorum, just because I, I, I felt like I, I couldn't, I didn't know how to not be Mormon. So I felt like I was going to do that for the rest of my life. Um, and then I started feeling more and more inauthentic, but I think it's because I wasn't really bringing myself there. And so I love that he's able to do that because I felt like over time towards the, the end of that year and a half, I'm just like, I go and I feel like I'm, yeah, I'm cutting off parts of myself. I can't be myself there and uh, participate fully in the religion. Um, 
in the way I wa- would like to, I guess. Um, and so, yeah, I love that he's found a way to do that. Yeah, I think it's cool and it's it's good for him. And I think it is really opening a lot of people's minds to some stuff because even though it might only be his ward, you know, he's got a handful of people that he might touch within that. There's a lot of really old dogmatic minds oh, in yeah. his ward that, you know, they hear some of those things and it's probably a shock yeah. to them of like, wait, what? Yeah. Because people don't do that in that church. They don't show up like that. They all conform to the same stuff. They all show up the same way. And if you don't, you're looked at weird. Like, wait, what? So it's it's interesting, but it's kind of like all of my siblings, all of my friends. I research a lot because I like to know. And because I know that the more I research and the more I learn, the more I realize I know absolutely nothing. And so going through that, I'm like, I can't judge where they're at. I can't look at it and go, my decisions are the best for you, or that my feelings or my understanding of what I think is real or believe is what's best for you. Because I have never lived through every single experience that that person has. And it's like the, um, what is it, Alan Watts or whoever that talks about consciousness. And it's like, if you were to live through every single moment that that person had, you would be the exact same person. So who's to say that I wouldn't be making the same decision, same mistake, same whatever, that whoever else is, I just haven't lived there. Like, I haven't walked in their shoes. I don't know their story. And I can't judge it based on this, like, tiny glimpse that I come into their story of and go, oh, well, I know who that is. So, okay. So you, uh, we're going to back up again, Brandon. You, you, you talked about how your, your dad was worried about cannabis being a, a, a gateway drug, which do you feel like it kind of has been a gateway drug? Yeah, it has been a gateway to a happier life, Fuck a yeah, present <laughs> thing, like a better parenting mindset, a more in-depth connection with my friends and family. Yeah. It's led to like a gateway to enjoying food more, music more, to deeper, more genuine connections. Um, so yeah, it is a gateway. It's a gateway, um, a gateway to flavor country, sounds like. God, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But for like one thing that we talk about all the time is it's going low and slow and knowing your dose. Like for most people, there's a lot of people who try cannabis and they use it and they have a really bad experience because they get crazy high or they get super anxious. So they never try it again. They're like, well, cannabis isn't for me. I had a bad experience. And I'm like, no shit. If I take a whole bottle of Tylenol, I'm going to feel like shit too. But if you know your proper dose and you go into it correctly, you can end up, even if you're not wanting to be high, you don't have to be high. But if you're stressed, anxious, depressed, have chronic pain, Crohn's, many of like these um, IBS symptoms, or people even have used it for cancer. I can't say that 100% like it helps everyone with cancer. My aunt passed from cancer and she was using cannabis all the time for it. But I've also seen other people who have actually changed and decreased. There's a a boy who was born here in Utah, and he was born with a type of, is it leukemia? It's a cancer that's in your blood cells. And so they gave him, um, he was diagnosed with 
24 or 48 hours left to live when he was two to three years old. Yeah. The mom was here in Utah and she moved outside of Utah because at that point they had nothing left that they hadn't tried except for cannabis. She went to Colorado and she started giving him what's called RSO oil or Rick Simpson oil. And that in high doses has shown in certain cases to actually kill cancer cells. And so they could physically watch it on the screen because it was in his blood cells. They could see the count decrease in real time in that. Now the kid is 12 or 13 years old. He ha- like He's just fine. He functions normal. He no longer has this cancer in his blood. And like there's tons of people who have these same stories. But like I said, it's not that it cures everyone or that it helps with everything, but that there are a lot of things that it can help with if you know what you're using, proper dosing, and that's it. So so, so the person that you described who um, had a bad experience with cannabis and it doesn't, it's like, ah, oh, it's not for me. Like, oh, it makes me super anxious or, oh, it gives me racing thoughts. What are some, um, what are some, what are some, pieces of advice that you, where would you start with that person? You, I mean, you, you, yeah. So a lot of the time, if you're anxious, sometimes it's specific strains that you're using. Um, there's a specific terpene in strains called alpha pinene. And if you see that in the strain, sometimes those are more prone to causing anxiety. It's not in everyone. It just depends on you, your body and your endocannabinoid system. So, you can find that one strain that works great for you might work terrible for Mike or for your friend, your wife, whoever. And so it's really testing your body specifically because every human has an endocannabinoid system. It's this system that's in your whole, um, it basically manages your nervous system, your gut, your all your organs. It interacts with every single system in your body. But it's designed naturally to help your body reach homeostasis or like the perfect level of you. But when you're stressed, you're depressed, you're not sleeping great, you don't have a good diet, you're not exercising properly, um, you know, there's a ton of things in our life that keep us from being perfectly at homeostasis. But when you reintroduce cannabinoids into it, um, your body naturally has cannabinoids that will help it get to homeostasis. But when you're experiencing human, the human experience, a lot of that decreases. So if you introduce cannabinoids in low doses, um, you can help get your whole body back to homeostasis. So CBD is still within the cannabis family, but that is known to help reduce anxiety. So if you feel like, hey, I get anxious if I try cannabis at all, take CBD first, and that can actually help reduce any of the high. It's um, nine parts CBD to one part THC is actually supposed to mitigate that high. So if you do have that, um, you know, it always is helpful to have CBD around if you are trying cannabis. Because if you do get high, you can take that and it can help bring it down. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you don't have can or CBD around, you can chew on black peppercorns or try drinking a little bit of lemon juice. And the terpenes in that 
are like similar to the same terpenes found in cannabis because it's just fl- naturally occurring flavors in all plants. So you can use those and black peppercorns or lemon juice should also reduce that high as well. So those are good things to work or look for. But as always, like your setting, just like psilocybin, your set and setting makes a huge difference. If you're in a place that you're nervous, thinking I'm going to get caught smoking weed and I'm going to get in trouble, you're probably going to feel more anxious. Like, And if you're worried about you're hiding it from your spouse or something else, you're probably going to feel more anxious. So it's always what's your intent going in? You know, is your intent to get high? Because you can get high. Is your intent to focus? Because you can focus. Is it to feel less pain? Like, I use it from the morning moment I wake up till the moment I go to bed, seven days a week. But I function like a normal person. And if you meet me, you would never know anytime if I'm high or not. Yeah, what's your what's your preferred delivery method? Yes, all of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, I I love a bong. I carry pens for convenience, but I use edibles, tinctures, um, vaporizers. Like I use all of the above just for different things. And first thing in the morning, usually I'm taking like a dropper or two of CBD. I'm taking a gummy or, um, because of our show, I have access to all these cannabis products. So like I'm popping these ones that look like Smarties or, you know, different tinctures and stuff. And so I'm using that and then my vaporizer throughout the day or pens and then just really depends on the moment, what I'm doing. Yeah. So, (laughs) but I don't really necessarily have a preferred method. I do like flour because... I feel like the natural plant in its natural form is like, it's a different experience. And it's almost like a more connected, better, full experience, whereas even like a pen or something feels like it's diluted. It's missing something. It's not the complete experience. Like you're just a step away from it. So, yeah. I'm just thinking of this. I wish I knew all these... um... <laughs> There's been times in the past. These secrets like are just to kind of help reduce the high. Um Chewing on one time. I never heard of that before. That's so yeah. good. Yeah, when uh my wife and I were uh get we're newly getting into weed. Um we you know, she's super sensitive. And one time we were smoking, we were out and we were in Santa Barbara, just like uh on just us and smoked a joint on the beach. She only took like one or two hits and she was so high. I think she's okay if I tell this story, oh. but like we, uh, we, <laughs> we get back to the hotel room and we turn on the TV and the big Lebowski is playing. And so we're watching the big Lebowski. I fall asleep. I wake up. It's still playing. I fall back asleep, wake up. It's probably like the third time the big Lebowski has come on the TV. <laughs> and so finally I'm like, I got to turn this thing off. I go grab the remote and all of a sudden I hear this, please don't turn that off. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, are you still, she's like, she was just awake. And the only thing she could do to not freak out was just sit there and watch the Big Lebowski. (laughs) Just on repeat. Just on repeat. I had a a buddy and um, one of our friends decided he was going to make his first, first batch of edibles. And he got this one gram syringe of distillate from Denver. 
And he put that entire gram distillate into a batch of brownies. So it was about 800 milligrams um, total in there. And so he cut it up after it comes out and he, it's Christmas Eve. He, he takes it out and one of our buddies comes over and he's like, all right, you can have this brownie for free, but you got to eat it. And then I'll tell you how much is in it after you eat it. So he's like, no, no, I'm not going to. But as he's saying that, he's like sitting there eating it. And he says, how, how much is in it? And he doesn't tell him until he finishes it. And this guy has an incredibly low tolerance. Like five milligrams is good. Each each brownie had 115 milligrams. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> He was high for 36 hours straight. He went to his parents' house. So he walked out in the street at like 6 in the morning. It was snowing. He is scraping off the windshield of his car, and he just face plants in the snow and lays there for a few minutes. <laughs> just lays there in the street in a pile of snow just because he's like, I'm so fucking hot. Because you know when you're crazy high, your body's like really hot, and he's just laying there. And he's like, I went to my family's, and I was so high, I didn't know how to interact with my nieces and nephews. And I'm just sitting there like so fucking high. And that lasted for 36 hours. I'm like, that's insane. That insane. 36 hours? Like, I accidentally dosed myself once with between, I still don't know, it was between like 11 and 1400 milligrams. And I have a crazy tolerance. So, um, holy shit. But I drank the entire thing in a tea, and it was probably four hours, and I'm like, I don't really feel anything, because I'm smoking this whole time, too. Like, because I'm waiting for it to kick in. Like, I have a high enough tolerance that I'm like, I've not experienced any edible that's ever made me like, oh my gosh, I'm too high. So, I I took this, and I was smoking because it had been hours, and I'm like, I don't I don't really feel anything. Finally, it gets to bedtime. I go to bed. I wake up to pee at like three in the morning, which I don't ever do. And I walk to the bathroom. I sit down. And I'm like, man, I'm like tired. And I'm looking. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing like fractal pattern tracers. <laughs> I was like, what in the hell? So I finish going to the bathroom. I stand up and I black out for like that long. I hit the ground oh, and I'm like, oh shit. And I'm like, it's three o'clock in the morning. My girlfriend's asleep in the other room. I'm trying to be quiet. So I'm trying to quietly get up off the floor and like sit up. And then I hear her on the other side of the door and she's like, are you okay? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm just trying to be quiet so I don't wake you up. So she helps me up. I get into bed. I sleep till maybe like eight in the morning, like not super late. I get up. I don't feel high at all. I feel just fine. I don't even feel like I have any THC in my system. So I go and start, have my coffee, have a smoke, and, you know, back at it like normal. <laughs> I have no idea. These people who have like 36 hours of that, I'm like, well, I, I have a, tell me your secret. I have an experience of almost the 36 hours thing. And I've shared it on the podcast before. I'll share it here one more time with, uh, it was another one, like a brownie experience. So again, newly into weed. Uh, like I tried edibles um, and I didn't know. So on the package, it says 150 uh, milligrams, milligrams total, total. Right. But that's, there's like 30 gummies in there. So they're each five milligrams. 
But I was thinking that means each gummy is 150 milligrams. And so <laughs> this is back when you used to have to get a card in California to get weed. And my wife had the card. I didn't have the yeah. card. And so she went and brought, I'm like, go and get me something super strong. So she got me a super strong brownie that was 150 milligrams. And we had some friends over and we were watching the Emmys of all things. And uh, my, I'm glad we sp- I split the brownie with a friend. I took maybe two thirds of it. He had a third. We ate it, you know, 30 minutes later, we're still not feeling it. So we're, we're taking some hits on the vape pen. And then all of a sudden he's on the couch he's like, Mike, what the fuck did you do to me? What the fuck did you do? And he's just like going back and forth. And I'm, I'm in the pocket at this point. I'm looking at him like, I'm feeling good. I'm just feeling really good. And then the panic started to hit and I ran into the bathroom looking at the package and realized that I think I've dosed this wrong. And then I'm really starting to freak out because I don't know anything about like, I'm, I'm thinking like, I'm gonna have to go get to the hospital to get my stomach pumped. I don't know what's going to happen. Right. <laughs> um, I, I, I didn't know that you can't really overdose on weed. Um, so then I, I just go and lay down, leave them watching the Emmys and I'm shaking in bed. My wife comes and checks on me. And for like the next two hours, all I could do was just repeat over and over to myself. I choose life. I choose life. I choose life. <laughs> And then I woke up late. I got in the shower and was taking a shower. I'm like, this shower feels so good. And I'm like, oh, I'm so high. So I called in sick from work. And then I went back to bed, slept till like 3 p.m. And before, and then finally was like, okay, I'm feeling normal. But, <laughs> oh, God. but I chose life, you guys, and I'm here. So I'm glad you chose life, Mike, quite Same. frankly. Thanks. You did too. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I guess it's time. I guess it's my turn to tell a feeling like you took a little too much cannabis story, right? Yeah, I think it's time. Uh, I think it is. So i i had the I had this package of gummies that a friend of ours makes that each each gummy is fifty milligrams, and and that for me that's about like right that's perf. So I took one, and then like I was in my I like like literally for fifteen twenty minutes, n- not even enough time for the thing to. Uh, take any effect at all kick in yeah. I'm sitting there playing my guitar and I'm like I forgot I was like oh I, I was going to take a gummy so I went and grabbed another one took that and then I'm just like really feeling good and I decide okay you know what it's time for me to make a new invention called hot dog nachos so I go into the I go into the kitchen and you know the thing where you like get a hot dog on the frying pan and then cut it into little like tiny pieces a lot of times put it in mac and cheese or something like that. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I get like three hot dogs and I'm frying them up little tiny pieces. And then I stack them on top of just nachos. Like, oh, we're talking old school, like after school nachos. You know what I mean? Where it's oh, like yeah. you shred the cheese. Chips and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> so then I think that this is the most amazing thing anyone has ever thought of. And I just start sending pictures of my hot dog nachos to all my friends and family. Like, like my mom's getting a picture of, of hot dog nachos and she's like, what the hell's going on here? So she's like, oh shit, Doug's high yeah. again. <laughs> so I'm standing there sending pictures of the hot dog nachos and I set, you know, I take them out of the microwave cause you, you can only microwave old school nachos. So I take them out of the microwave oh, yeah. and I set them on my kitchen counter and then God knows how long. God knows how much time goes by. I'm watching Game of Thrones. At least two episodes of Game of Thrones go by while I'm just standing there in my kitchen, not eating my hot dog nachos, just standing there staring off into space. 
two two hours. hours. My wife gets home from, she was out doing, you know, whatever. She had gotten pictures of the hot dog nachos. And she's like, what are you doing? You haven't eaten the hot dog nachos and you're just standing here? And I was like, oh, shit, I've been standing here for like two hours. (laughs) Anyway, then it ended. I went to bed and that was the end of my being too high story. I didn't have to choose life. I didn't pass out on the bathroom floor. I certainly didn't lay in the snow outside of my parents' house. I just stood there right. thinking about my hot dog nachos. That's really funny. It's, it's a good one. <laughs> Have you ever made those hot dog nachos again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that a regular high treat? Oh, yeah. Now? Hot dog nachos are a good high treat, by the way. <laughs> mm. I could see that. I might have to try that. Yeah. Yeah. You keep in mind, like it's that thing where you you know you split the hot dog lengthwise, and then fry it up, and then cut it into little pieces and scatter those pieces on top of your nachos. I'm telling you, I don't mean for all my vegan homies out there to like hate on me, but like hot dog nachos, try it. I don't know. Maybe they could do like tofu yeah, nachos. Yeah, tofu something. nacho. My daughter does these like fake chicken nugget things or. So, and know. vegan cheese is not too Some bad, way. by the way. Like vegan cheese, if you're going to eat vegan crap, which I have to sometimes, vegan cheese is okay. My girlfriend will put like dairy-free stuff on mine sometimes, but not very often. <laughs> 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 All right, Brandon, we've kind of gone off the rails here. Like let's talk about how people can track you down and support you. Ah, if you want to listen to this um, – to the podcast you can go to apple spotify anywhere you want that you listen if you go to apple or spotify and just type in cannabis we're the number one cannabis podcast so we're the first thing that pops up um or just search cannabis school podcast if you're on a different platform so yeah yeah. we're also on social media at cannabis school podcast so follow us there Brandon, I've really been binging it this last week, and Same. I've I'm been really enjoying so it. So much cool shit that I never. Yeah. I mean, and you guys have such a good chemistry, good vibe together, and love what you're doing. And um, you know, I think you are changing the world, just like you. I think you guys are too. You know, affecting change, really impacting a difference, and there's a lot of important discussions that you guys are bringing forward. So. Yeah, I mean, the hot dog nachos. Let's start there. I mean, that, like, yeah. That should be like a product line. I don't know if you can partner with someone. Maybe it can be like a sponsorship deal. I like it. Oh. Go get yourself some uh, hot dog nachos. I mean, it's fun to even say Call hot dog like nachos, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is this where we finally make money on this thing, Doug, is by selling hot dog nachos? I think we do. I think we start selling hot dog nachos. I don't know how we're going to do that. Like, cause they have to, you have to grate your own cheese and use your own microwave. So I don't know, just sell it in like a pack and it can be like, it comes with the chips, the little block of cheese and a cheese grater. And then like some hot dogs. It's like blue and apron for stoners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like Doug's munchie Hell box yeah. and it comes no, out. That I can get down for. I'm good at munchies. Yep. See? Oh. There you go. That's it. It's gold. This has been a blast of a conversation. No, oh, this has been fantastic. Appreciate you guys having me on yeah, the show. Yeah, thanks for your patience, Brandon. You know, like I've been, I've just been, the last few months I've just been in a different world and like, I don't, I haven't been checking in. I just am, I'm flighty. I, it. I went through like child custody court shit and that and have spent my last few months, I feel like my head's been 
somewhere else. And I've like told people, I'm like, yeah, uh, we're not recording right now. Like we won't be doing any guest ones for a bit. And I was like, uh, but then after all of that settled, just felt like a massive weight off my shoulders. So that was this week. So now I'm going to do another trip, kind of move some energy around and, uh, you know, get back at it. Fuck well, yeah. Brandon, let's trip ever... together one of these times, man. Yeah. We're... Oh, I've yeah, let's it. do it. We're, he and I, Mike and I are in, are in Utah fairly like occasionally. So let's, let's get together a trip. Yeah. Let's get together. I'm down. Or at yeah, least, awesome. you know, or at least smoke a bong or something. I've never, I've never I'm used a bong before by guys for weed. Oh, so maybe, well I have definitely some. Okay. And so yeah. yeah. I have to come smoke. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, okay. guys. Much love, guys. Much love. Take care. Bye. Talk to you guys later. Bye.